Once again, good morning, everybody. Merry Christmas to all of you here in the sanctuary and also following us online as well. Merry Christmas once again to all of you. I trust that these two carols have uh, brought you some kind of uh, festive cheer in this otherwise very uh, challenging year for many of us. You know, who would expect that something as small as this little virus could actually turn our entire world upside down, right? Pretty sure all of us have felt the effect of uh, COVID-19. You know, according to researchers, this little virus, this tiny virus is 60 to 120 nanometers in length. Now, what's a nanometer? A nanometer, for those of you uh, who have studied science or mathematics, is 10 to the power of minus 9. To give us a sense of how small it is, your average human hair is between 50,000 to 100,000 nanometers in thickness. So imagine that. Imagine this is a nanometer. A thousand times difference, that's a kilometers. So the virus is like that versus a kilometer. That's uh, the sense of how small this little tiny virus is. It's a thousand times difference compared to our human hair. In fact, viruses are so small, they cannot even be seen under the ordinary microscope. And so we are really talking about very, very small, tiny virus indeed. And yet this small, little, tiny virus has completely disrupted all our lives. Completely. 2020 wasn't just unprecedented, it's completely unexpected as well. I'm sure many of us would uh, use these two phrases to summarize 2020, unprecedented, unexpected. But I think there's an important lesson here for all of us, and that is this. Don't ever underestimate things which are small in size. Don't ever, ever underestimate things which are so small in size. Actually, this lesson about not to underestimate things which are small in size was well captured in the prophet Micah's a prophecy long ago in Micah chapter 5, verses 2 to 4. Let me read it to us. But you, Bethlehem Ephrata, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be the ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Come, let's pray together. Dear God, Heavenly Father, Papa God, we recognize that Lord, this has been an unusual year. Our Father, we pray we will not let this year go by without us remembering the precious lessons that you want to teach us. So send your Holy Spirit and speak your truths to us this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now for context, the prophet Micah, or Michal, Michal in the Hebrew, he ministered around 700 to 730 BCE, around the same time as the prophets Isaiah, Amos, Hosea. And the main message of these prophets was this, they were warning the southern kingdom Judah not to follow in the footsteps of their northern kingdom Israel. The northern kingdom of Israel, because of their apostasy and rebellion against God, will be exiled by the Assyrian Empire. Verse 3 that we have just read sadly captures uh, how eventually both Israel and Judah 
will be abandoned until the time of prophecy is fulfilled. Israel was exiled in 722 BCE by the Assyrian Empire, while Judah was exiled in 586 BCE by the Babylonian Empire. But despite this tragic declaration, Micah prophesies that God's Messiah will be born. One day, God's Messiah will come. Look at verses 2 and 4 again. Out of Bethlehem, Ephrathah will be born a ruler over Israel, whose origins are of old, one who would stand and shepherd God's people in the strength and majesty of the name of the Lord our God. Now the two phrases here, origins of old and of ancient times, indicate that this Messiah was no ordinary human being like you and I. Instead, he prophesied that God himself would come because only God would have existed from ancient times. Now for us as Christians, it's not a surprise, right, that God's Messiah will be God himself. This is a familiar message for many of us. What's surprising is the birthplace of the Messiah, and that is Bethlehem Ephrathah. For your information, in case uh, later on people ask you, there are actually two Bethlehems in Israel. One in the north of Jerusalem, known as Bethlehem of Galilee. The other is where we talk about today, Bethlehem Ephrathah, it was southwest of Jerusalem. So the full name actually distinguishes the two places, Bethlehem of Galilee in the north and Bethlehem Ephrathah here in the southwest of Jerusalem. And this small little town, Bethlehem Ephrathah, was where Jesus was born. The ancient town, also a very small town, probably only a few hundred in number, compared to Jerusalem, the major city, estimated to be 600,000. Again, almost a thousand times difference, right? And it was out of this small tiny town at Bethlehem Ephrata that the prophet Michael promised that the Messiah would be born. So again, lesson for today, don't underestimate things which are small in size. A town, 600 versus Jerusalem, 600,000 in population. But yet, it was this small little place that the Messiah was to be born. And so really in God's kingdom, things which are small in size or few in number can have a huge impact. Things which are small in size, few in number can have a huge impact. We think of the young shepherd boy, David, who defeated the giant Goliath. We think of the prophet Elijah, how he single-handedly contended against 450 prophets of Baal, and yet he won the day. In the New Testament, we have the small boy who offered five loaves and two fish for Jesus to feed 5,000. Small, few, yet a huge impact. And so we see this pattern over and over in Scripture. Things which are small in size, few in number, can have a huge impact. But it wasn't just this place, you know, Bethlehem, Ephrata, which was small. Among the clans of Judah, this, the people staying in Bethlehem, Ephrata, was one of the smallest clans as well. And not only that, God himself would come as a small baby. So you see how small really God really came. In the small town, among the smallest clans, born as a small baby. And that's how the small things you know, can have a huge impact. Jesus coming to us in the humblest and smallest of ways. If you ask me, actually 2020 is not unprecedented and unexpected. The birth of Jesus was the one that's truly unprecedented and unexpected. So this is the first lesson for all of us this year. Small but significant. Small but significant. 
It's not so much how a small virus could have such a huge significant impact, but really for all of us as a reminder that as we entrust our small little lives into the hands of God, our lives can be significant. As we entrust our small little lives into the hands of God, our lives can be significant. Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, verse 7, reading from the New Living Translation, and the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Or as the psalmist contemplates in Psalm 8, New International Version, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet. Think about that. Maybe some of you caught, you know, the great conjunction this year, the alignment of Jupiter and, and Saturn, the planets, right? They call it maybe a possible explanation for the Christmas star. But compared to the whole universe, we are but a small speck of dust. Compared to the whole of eternity, which may be represented by this infinite line, we are but a mere dot in eternity. And yet, God has set his eyes on us. We may be short, a small, and our lives short, but God has set his sights on us. And that tells us that we are significant. We may be small, but we are significant to God. The lesson for Christmas then this year is not to bemoan how terrible 2020 was, but to recognize that God can turn ashes into beauty. How small little things, weak things, can be used by God to accomplish great and significant things. So once again, I want to challenge all of us to entrust our lives, our small little lives, to this God who cares for us. We don't know, as the cliche saying goes, we don't know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. Now, God can really use small things to accomplish significant results. As we have studied in the Kingdom of God series, a small amount of ease can influence an entire batch of dough. As the psalmist says, we are nothing compared to the heavens and to the angels that God has created. But God has given to us, human beings, the significant task of ruling over creation. So we are not just small but significant to God, we are also small and significant for God. Not only are we significant to God, we can be significant for God. There is an interesting story recorded in 2 Kings chapter 5. Oh, let's hang on for a while. <laughs> Sorry to those of us watching online. Basically, there's some kind of a fire system alarm. We're going to investigate for a while. Do not panic. Now, let's come back to the point here. Not only can we, are we small and significant to God, we can also be small and significant for God. Interesting story recorded for us in 2 Kings chapter 5. There was a general in the Syrian army by the name of Naaman. He had an incurable disease, leprosy. And all his wealth could not stop and cure this terrible plague upon his life. In Naaman's household, however, there was a small little Jewish girl. And this girl remembered the prophet Elisha, who through God's divine power was healing you know, all the diseases. And so this little girl had two wonderful characteristics. Number one, she loved her master very much. And number two, she had faith in God, the God who would heal. 
And she was not happy, you know, that Naaman was suffering. She sympathized with him. She really wanted him to be cured. And so she spoke to her master Naaman and told her about the prophet Elisha. Just go and see the prophet Elisha and you will be healed. Naaman perhaps wondered about this advice, you know, from this young little girl. Should I bother about this insignificant small girl? But credit to him, eventually he did listen to her advice, went to find the prophet Elisha. To cut the long story short, he was eventually healed. And so the lesson for us again is that God is able to use anyone, even little children, no matter how small they seem to bless others. Just this holidays, I was uh, brought my son Joash to Ant Museum, not because I'm Antonia, but I just brought him there. And then the tour guide was a young little chap, probably at the most in my estimation, 14 years old. Young boy, but yet the tour guide for the museum. And so that's a very powerful lesson for me as well. Just because we are young, small, it doesn't mean we cannot know significant things for God. So here was this Jewish girl, and she did significant things for her master, the Syrian general. What about us? Will we step into 2021, pledging to surrender our lives afresh to God, willing to do even the small, insignificant things, so-called, trusting that God will bring about good results in His time? The small things that we do in love really do matter. We don't have to think of doing great things. This Christmas season, there may be people around you, even strangers as you pass by on the road at the hawker center, who may be feeling lonely. The small little things that we do in love can have a huge, significant impact. And if you really don't know how you can be of service to God, may I suggest that you can gather in twos and threes to pray. Don't underestimate the power of prayer in Jesus' name. Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, Jesus says, Where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. A prayer group, two or three, seems so small, insignificant. You know, you feel like nothing is changing. But from God's point of view, even that small little gathering has a huge impact. Why? Because Jesus is in the midst of that prayer group. Where two or three are gathered, Jesus says, there am I in the midst of them. And when we have the Lord on our side, that small little number turns to a huge powerful force because God himself is with us. This is the same reason why small things have consistently accomplished great things in God's kingdom. Because God is the one behind them all. Why was David able to defeat the mighty Goliath? Because God was with him. Why was Elijah, Satu Orang, one person, able to defeat 450? Because God was with him. And so when two or three of us gather to pray, we trust in God's word that significant things can happen. And so again, to remind all of us, like Bethlehem, Ephrata, we may be small, but we are significant to God. We may be small, but we can be significant to God. The second lesson for this year is this, slow but sure. The first lesson was small but significant. The second lesson is this, slow but sure. The prophet Michael prophesies about 700 years before the birth of Christ. 700 years. How many generations is that? That's a really long time. Yet God kept his promise. Slowly but surely, God fulfilled his promise. And so this is the message, not just for Christmas this year, but really for Christmas every year, that our God is a promise keeper. Never forget that. Our God is a promise keeper. 
If God kept his promise that the Messiah would be born in a small town called Bethlehem, Ephrata, you can be sure that God will keep all his promises to us. Now what has God promised us? There are so many things that God has promised to us in the scriptures, in the word of God. But I just want to highlight one thing since it's Christmas. And his greatest promise is to save us. Christmas, remember the birth of Jesus. What does the name of Jesus mean? It literally means Yahweh will save. God will save. And so this is really the greatest promise of scriptures that our God will pro- has promised to save us. And when God saves us, he's not just interested in saving our spirits and our souls. Otherwise, we should just go to heaven the moment we become Christians, right? But God is interested in saving all of us as an individual in every aspect, <coughs> spiritually, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, relationally. But not only us as individuals. God is interested in saving families, communities, nations, cities, and the entire creation. I want to close this time by sharing the testimony of Felicia Chin. Some of you know her. She's a famous uh, media call artist, actress. And this testimony is recorded by Stories of Hope, so I want to give them the credit. And so in her testimony, you will see how God is interested in saving all of us. Let's screen this testimony. Growing up, I was a little fearful of my mum. I knew that my mum was was there for us, you know, she cared for us, but a lot of words and situations that happened and uh, were exchanged made me really feel hurt and rejected as a daughter. So something happened when I was in my 20s. Uh, one day I was, I was in the toilet and I accidentally broke a glass panel. So it went and then, you know, there were all um, pieces of glass all over the floor. My mum came in, you know, and uh, the first thing she said was to scold me. And then, then I, I really felt very hurt and very angry. I guess on hindsight, it's because I would love and expect my mom to come caring for me if I've cut my, myself because it's glass, right? But the first thing I heard is harshness. And we started arguing. And um, I just wanted to bolt out of the house. And my mom didn't give me the keys. And um, I got so angry, I took out a knife from the kitchen and I threatened her, like, you know, if you don't give me a key, you know, I would, like, slash myself. So these incidents happened at least quite a few times, you know, and um, I think it just showed me that there were so many cracks in our relationship. A lot of hurt, a lot of um, anger, and at that point in time, I really felt like it was so hard to have peace in my family, and and I think I, I felt very broken inside. I accepted Christ in 2015. My mom accepted Christ one year after me, which is 2016. And um, actually, he started healing our relationship. One day, I, re- I went home to have soup. And and then the argument started again. So I went to the room. I, 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 I locked myself in the room. And I, I told God, like, God, why? You know, uh, I want to spend time with my mom, but everything is in this array and all that and I just I don't want to drink her soup and actually I felt God speaking to me through the Holy Spirit that um, you go drink her soup you know so I obeyed so I went out and I drank the soup but while drinking the soup half of my mind is like I'm going to 
go out, get out of the house after I finish drinking the soup. But God stopped me and told me to stay. Me, I'm like, stay? I'm like, what good can come out from staying? But nonetheless, I obeyed. And, and my mom was still by the side, you know, nagging and telling me about what things I didn't do right or wrong and all that, you know, and on and on and on and on and on. And suddenly I burst out crying and saying these words. I'm never good enough for you. No matter what I do, I'm never good enough for you. Zetan is always better than me. I didn't even know these words existed inside of me. But, but I guess that was my inner cry inside my heart that I never knew. And my mom stopped in her tracks and, and she suddenly got very worried when looking at me. And she herself started crying and said, sorry, I didn't know you were feeling like that. Mommy never meant to hurt you this way. And then both of us started crying and then we hugged. I think um, that incident that happened was like uh, the start of uh, mending of our relationship. Um, I remember once I was in Korea, Busan. We went. We were at this beautiful seaside cafe, you know. So my mom bought two cakes and uh, and some coffee. So I was helping her carry everything on the tray, and suddenly I slipped and fell on uh, the staircase, and everything started crashing on the floor. And I was like, deja vu, right? Glasses everywhere again, you know, like, like you know, it's like everything on the floor, the cake's so expensive. I'm like, oh no, no, my mom is gonna scold me. And that was my immediate reaction. And then my mom from the cafe, she heard everything. Then she came running out of the cafe. I was like, oh no, 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 what is gonna happen? And then suddenly she was like, Aling! Ayo, what happened to you? And she picked me up. Ayo, do you get cut? Do you get hurt? Oh, ayo. And then she was like, Fussing and worrying over me, wondering if I got cut and all that. Then I was like, wow, God, you taught my mom how to love me. I realized that God in turn actually used me to love my mom in ways that she could really feel it. Once I, uh, there was a, a, an occasion where I left the house, so we'll say bye, right? And then I had a prompting to go and hug my mom. I'm like, hug my mom? I'm like, that's too much, God. <laughs> because we are a family who doesn't say love, 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 or hug, or, or hold hand, those kind. But nonetheless, I felt like God is always right. So I, I went back and gave her one of the most awkward hugs I ever gave anyone. And uh, I went over and hugged my mom like, like, like a robot. And she actually hugged me back. So the next time, I continued doing that. And, and step by step, you know, I realized that my mom likes it. You know, it is her love language. And uh, slowly you can see things like turning around between uh, me and my mom and the way we start to show affections for one another. Yeah. Looking back, um, I, I, I get reminded of what a broken relationship I had with my mom growing up in my 20s. There are a lot of broken pieces that I tried to piece back myself, but sometimes I get cut in the process and it hurts and you feel a sense of hopelessness. Mm. But now I know that God restores and five years down the road, now I still go to church with my mom every week. <laughs> I sometimes hold her hands. Um, mm. We can sit down 
and uh, have a meal together without arguing and quarrelling. We learn how to accept one another and um, our weaknesses and our strengths. Of course, I must add that you know uh, we are not a perfect family. Sometimes there are still cracks, but I feel there's so much hope. And now more and more, I grow to understand my mum. I see things from her perspective, and I think she sees things from mine as well. And I'm just so thankful for hope in our family. Maybe when you are watching this, you might think to yourself the broken pieces of your family and your life, and you think that there's no hope. I just want to reassure you, and I want to share with you that God's love never fails, and He can restore and He can heal you and your whole family. So slowly but surely, God is saving Felicia Chin's relationship with her mom. So what is it in your life that needs saving? Is it also a relational issue? Maybe it's a physical or, or mental illness. For some of us, maybe it's a career, our job is on the line. Or for some of us, our very souls are the ones that need saving. So what is it in our lives that needs saving? Family and friends, it's Christmas, and Christmas is always a message of hope because God is our is a promise keeper, and He promises to save to the uttermost every aspect. Of course, it's a journey, but He will save slowly but surely if we entrust ourselves to God again. He promises to save because His name is Jesus, the God who saves. 2020 may be a very terrible year on many fronts, but if we call to God and cling on to His promise, and the greatest promise is that He will save us, we never know how God will fulfill this wonderful promise of His in our lives. Yes, at times it may be slow, but we can be sure that God is a promise keeper, and He will keep His word, just as He kept His word through the prophet Micah, He will keep His promise to save us. Come, let us pray. Invite all of us to just bring our concerns before the Lord. What is it in your life that needs saving? Cry out to God. God is not aloof. He's not distant. He's not apathetic. Lord, we thank you for your word to us this day. Lord, help us to trust you that even though things may be slow at times, even at times seem to be in reverse gear. But Lord, we know your word says that your promises are always yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And so Lord, we want to return to you. We bring before you the cries of our hearts. Trusting the Lord you slowly but surely will fulfill your promise to save us. For your name, in your name we pray Jesus. Amen.